1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're in a series entitled Toolbox for Life. Toolbox for Life. How many of you ever had to like take a, a switch plate light off or use a screwdriver and uh, you didn't have a Phillips head? You didn't have a, a flathead. The other day I went to take a, a switch plate off and I had a, I didn't have, you know, I had a, a Phillips head, but I didn't have a flathead. So I looked all over the whole house and guess what I found? A butter knife. Have you ever had that experience before? Right? You just use whatever, whatever you can find to get the job done. Well, it's a great way. I mean, you get it done, but it isn't the most effective way. And over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about becoming better, becoming the person that Christ has called us to be by sharpening the spiritual axe that God has given to us and put in our life. And today in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I want you to stand with me. I'm going to read one verse this morning. I'm going to read one verse in honor of the reading of God's word. We stand together. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 1. And the Bible says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. I do not want you to be ignorant. Uh, this morning I want to talk about maximizing the spiritual gift that God has given to you. Maximizing the spiritual gift that God has given to you. This morning we're going to pray for those who have uh, experienced a tremendous amount of loss and suffering, uh, over the last couple of days because of Hurricane Harvey. And I want to pray for those families and for the individuals that are being impacted by the heavy rains now and the flooding that's taking place. And, but I also want to pray for the first responders. Uh, we work with a ministry, we partner with a ministry called Convoy of Hope, and they have already been on the ground. They, they, as you know, we can look on radar when a hurricane's coming, and they've been there for two or three days setting up and giving out waters and foods and helping families that are in distress and need. At the end of the service day, you'll have an opportunity to give tor uh, towards this, and if you want to help just make a difference today, you can do that. But let's pray for these families and for these first responders. Father, uh, today we know that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. We know it's a part of life that we also live in hurricane-prone areas. And Lord, I pray for those families today. God, there are many just great loss of home and some have lost family members and just all the stuff that they're wrestling through and struggling through. I pray that your peace would be with them. I pray that your comfort would be with them. I thank you for the local churches all throughout that region that are stepping up this Sunday, not even having services and going out and ministering and serving to the people of their community. Pray for the first responders, people like Convoy of Hope and Red Cross and other people that are serving this area of our, our country. I pray your blessing and your peace upon them, God. Thank you for those who are willing to go before and to help those in their time of need. What a reflection of your love and who you are in our life. God, I bless them today. Now, for, for every person that's here today, God, I pray that you'll give them an ear to hear and an eye to see. God, we can't do this without you. We thank you that you have given us the gift of your Holy Spirit that lives and dwells within each side of us. I pray, God, there be a greater understanding of who you are and how you work in our lives. I ask this now, Jesus, in your wonderful and mighty name, and everyone said, amen. You may be seated. First got born again many years ago. I, I, the, I was thinking, of, as I was preparing this message this week, I was thinking about my life, and, you know, I... As a young person, I really wasn't concerned about how God made me. Really wasn't concerned about my mission in life. I wanted to have fun. I wanted to have a good time. All of life was about me. But something happened the moment I said yes to Jesus. The moment that Christ came, I felt his conviction. I felt his drawing. I just surrendered my life to him. Something happened inside of me. I mean, it changed me. It changed me from the inside out. That's what happens when God becomes alive, when you become born again into his purpose and plan for your life. And, and I had a desire to help. I had a desire to serve. I didn't know what I was supposed to do, but I was completely ignorant. 
I, I didn't know what I could do. I didn't know how I could serve people. And so one day I went up to the church and I said, Pastor, I'll do anything you want me to do. And, and this particular church that I was attending, they had a lot of people on staff and he really couldn't think of anything for me to do. However, However, he was the youth pastor at the time, and he decided to take a vacation in summer, and so, uh, I mean, at the Christmas time break, and so I had been a Christian for six weeks, and after six weeks of being a Christian, never dated as a single person as a Christian, he asked me to teach the, the young adults on how to date as a single Christian. <laughs> My first assignment, there you go. I had no idea. I had no idea. But I realized that there was something stirred inside of me, and, and the fact is, if you are not a Christian today, if you're, you haven't stepped across the line, you're possibly ignorant of spiritual gifts. You're possibly ignorant of how God's hardwired you and what your mission in life is. But Paul is writing to a church. He's writing to the church at Corinth where they had experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, much of what we know about spiritual gifts is written to the church at Corinth. And they were exercising spiritual gifts, but they were ignorant about the purpose of them. They thought that the spiritual gift was for themselves. It was for their self-aggrandizement. It was for their self-benefit. And because of that, the spiritual gifts were abused. And the fact is, the fact is in, in the church, even to this day, spiritual gifts can be abused. I grew up in a church, the, the church had an emphasis on one spiritual gift. When you read the New Testament, you see that there are a diversity, many different spiritual gifts. Paul lists almost 27 different spiritual gifts in different places in the New Testament. Our emphasis was on one. And so because of abuse, many people neglect the spiritual gift that, deposit, that God has deposited inside of them. People are afraid. It seems spooky. It seems weird. But the fact is the Bible teaches us that God has given us spiritual gifts. And so the tendency in church is to throw the baby out with the bathwater. But then as I begin to serve, that first time teaching in a class struck something inside of me, and I just wanted to serve. I wanted to bring people to church, and as a matter of fact, I, I would do anything. And the pastor's wife asked me one time to join the ensemble. I sang one week, and she never asked me back again. <laughs> but I was just willing to be used by God. I was willing to use by him, and as I began to study the scriptures, and I began to hang out with other Christians and talk about spiritual gifts, I, I recognized that God was empowering me for a purpose. I had no idea as a new Christian that one day I would be standing here at 1711 Orange Boulevard talking to you. Wasn't, in my, wasn't on my radar. Wasn't in my plan. But God did. God did. And as I began to grow in my faith and begin to serve and begin to, begin to learn about how God had wired me to best serve other people, I've been able to live a life. Because the fact is, what God wants in each one of us is two things. God wants us to be fruitful. God wants us to live a fruitful life. God wants our impact to go beyond just the here and now. God wants our impact to last. Jesus said that we would produce fruit that remains. The greatest joy as I serve the Lord is to see people who we touched many years ago come to faith in Christ and they're still serving God. And now their families are serving God. And it's just what a great, great joy to have that experience, to see fruitfulness in life. But God also wants you to sense fulfillment. God wants you to sense that, that great sense of peace that you have as you're living and serving and doing what he's created you to do. I had that experience, I had that experience this last week. I was able to, to uh, uh, facilitate the homegoing service for Miranda Mundo, our worship leader's father. He passed away a little over a week ago, and we had the celebration of life service. And it was in that service that I had this great release of God's grace in my life in a way that I haven't had in a long time. 
I mean, it would just float out of me as I began to talk not only about his life, but about what God was doing in the, that room right at that very moment. And it was so strong. It was so deep. I remember when I, I went backstage after the, that service, I was just like, wow. There was just so much joy, so much a sense of God had just used me. I've never been so fulfilled. You'll never be so, fu so fulfilled as when you are doing the purpose for which God had created. And you can see it impacting and making a difference in other people's lives. And God desires for every one of us to experience that. It's God's plan. It's God's purpose. He wants to make us better so that we can have a, make a greater impact, not only in our families, not only in our jobs, not only in our church, but in our world, so that we can be fruitful and we can experience fulfillment. We must understand today that when the Bible talks about gifts, that there are differing kinds of spiritual gifts. Now, this isn't a, a, a revelation from Mount Sinai, but as you begin to stu study spiritual gifts and, and Paul's understanding of spiritual gifts, there seems to be different categories in gifts. There seems to be different ways that the Holy Spirit manifests or works in the hearts and the lives of his people. And he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 4, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts. Different kinds. The, the, the word there, the connotation, the understanding of gifts of, of, of charismata. There's a, there's a grace of God. We recognize and understand if we're a Christian that grace comes to us at salvation. But there is a gifting, a hardwire, and there's something that God is doing inside of us. God, by his Holy Spirit, is the source of all of them. The moment you become born again, the moment you say yes to Jesus, yeah, you have natural inclinations and abilities and all kinds of things, but there's a, something supernatural that's birthed inside of you. It's a supernatural gift. It's a, it's a divine empowerment, enablement made by God alone. And so the Holy Spirit, Paul says, there's this diversity of gifts, but there are different kinds of services, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. It's one of the beautiful It's one of the few passages in the New Testament that clearly spells out the triunity of the Godhead. And if you study this, you will find that two times, two different times, when Paul is talking about spiritual gifts, he does it in relationship of the triunity of the Godhead, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so we see the Holy Spirit gives us these gifts because every person in this room, when you accept Christ, you have a gift. You have a gift that you can give back to other people to make a difference, to help others. That the gift that God has given to you is designed for you. It's specially suited for you. You're a unique you. There's no one else like you. And God knows exactly what gifts to give you. He knows exactly what you need so that you can become all that God has created you to be. It's a supernatural ability. It's not just something you think up in your head. It's something that comes from within, empowered by God's spirit and by, by God's kindness. There are differing kinds of gifts. The first kind of gift, I'm just going to briefly mention this, that Paul lists here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, is manifestation gifts. Everyone say manifestation gifts. These are gifts that are revealed or made known. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verses 4 through 11, he talks about these manifestation gifts. He talks about the, the gifts to know, words of wisdom. He says, if you've got to use a word of wisdom, use the word of wisdom. If you've got a word of knowledge, use the word of knowledge. If you've got a discerning of spirits, use the gift of discerning of spirits. These are gifts to know. 
These, these particular gifts that Paul is referring to are the ones that most people are familiar with. They're the ones because they tend to be the most spectacular. You get a, a word of wisdom. You're in a difficult situation. God just drops keen insight and understanding on how to solve a problem. That's wisdom. Or you're, you're driving down the street and all of a sudden some, an idea pops into your mind. It's, it's a sense of knowledge about something that you, all the experiences and stuff in life, it just pops in you. It comes from nowhere and you know something that you shouldn't know. Or God gives you the ability to discern. He gives you the ability to discern between good and evil. Maybe you meet someone. Or maybe you're in a business situation. and You have something uneasy inside of you. God's releasing that discerning of spirits inside of you. You know, that's not the best way to go. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. And so God gives us these gifts, these, these, these knowledge gifts, wisdom, knowledge, and discerning the spirits. But he also gives gifts to speak, prophecy, tongues of interpretation and tongues, the gift of prophecy to foretell future events and to foretell and declare what God is doing today. The Bible says that the foundation of the church, the local church, the expression of the local church all over planet earth today was built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Those who have a, an ability to speak forth the truth of God's word, tongues, and an interpretation of tongues. The church that I grew up in, the focus was on these particular gifts, these manifestation gifts of tongues and interpretation of tongues. And then he says there are gifts to do. There are gifts of faith. There are gifts of miracles. There are gifts of healings. We have an altar moment every service. Try to have one every service here at City Church. We have prayer partners up here, and they're praying for needs in your life. And I want to encourage you today. There is a gift of faith. There is a release of miracles and of healings that God still does today for those that believe. Jesus said it. Jesus said it. And so when you come to a church service and you're walking through something, now, you're not walking through something every week necessarily, but if you've got something in your life, there is something called the prayer of agreement. And something, I believe, supernatural happens when faith is aligned with another person's faith and you start to believe on a specific area. God will move supernaturally on your behalf. And so these gifts to do, they're, they're gifts that God has given to the body of Christ. Uh, and these gifts can be easily abused. But if they're used, if they're used properly in context of a local church, they're one of the most powerful demonstrations of the goodness and the glory and the grace of God against the kingdom of darkness in our world. I mean, they're a display of God's goodness. They're a display of God's hope to a generation that has no hope. And then Paul tells the church of Ephesus about another kind of gift, other kinds of gifts. He calls them ministry gifts. To the church of Ephesus, he, he writes, he says these words, and he himself, the Lord Jesus himself, the Holy Spirit gave manifestation gifts. The Lord Jesus himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministries. God gives specific, unique gifts to build up the body of Christ, to encourage people to serve. And to, to, God gives leaders in a local church assembly. God gives leaders, the apostles, one, those who go forward. They're ones who are sent, the prophets who speak clarity and wisdom, the evangelists who have passion to bring lost people to Christ, the, the teachers, the, the ones who are declaring truth and teaching cr truth, and then the pastors who help shepherd. These gifts are, are given to the church to build up the body of Christ, to bring edification so that you can fulfill the purpose for which God has called you. And then this next area is what I call the motivational gifts. 
These motivational gifts are the gifts that we're going to hone in. We're going to dig down a little deeper today. But in Romans chapter 12, Paul talks to the church at Rome, and these gifts are given by the Father. And he says this. Look what he says here. He says, we have different gifts. Three times he mentions this. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each one of us. If your gift is prophesying, prophesy in accordance with your faith. If your gift is service, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, to do it cheerfully. Your spiritual gift becomes the driving motivation of your life. Every person in this room has at least one motivational gift. It's your spiritual bent. It's the way that you're naturally hardwired by God. His spiritual reality comes into your life and you see things through this lens. You see things through this lens. It's one of the things that can cause division in churches because people don't recognize that there's a diversity of differing kinds of motivational gifts in people. It's your primary gift. It's your hardwired. It's how you're bent. In Proverbs chapter 22, verse number 6, I love how the Amplified Version says it. Train up a child in the way that they should go or he should go, and in keeping with his individual gift or bent. Even your child has a bent. Your child, you, you see it. If you got more than one child, you know that your two children are different. They have different likes and dislikes. They have different passions and interests. They have a spiritual bent, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And God has put within each one of us a, a bent to do certain things, we're motivated, things that bring fulfillment, things that bring joy, things that bring a sense of meaning and purpose to our life. So the first gift that he mentions here is the gift of perceiver. The gift of perceiver, or the gift of the prophet. The prophet is one who clearly perceives the will of God, proclaims the truth, and exposes sin. A person with this motivational gift, they see the world in which they live. They see the brokenness of the world and something rises up within them. So I got to do something about it. They see the racism in a culture and that something rises up. We got to fix this. The person with the, with the prophetic gift that sees the, the uh, sinful behaviors taking place, sees abuse of drugs or alcohol strewning and ruining people's lives, they rise up. We got to do something. We got to fix this problem in our culture. They, they see something wrong in the economic system. The, the prophet stands up and stands against injustice, the lack of responsibility of a culture that they, they take towards their poor and their needy. They're, something rises up and the, the definition of marriage becomes confused and, de, and, and redefined where good is now called evil and evil is now good. And the prophet rises up and says, this is wrong. This is not God's way. This is what not has, God has not declared. And a prophet rise up, rises up and they perceive, they see evil in the world and they want to set forth and they want to fix it. They, 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 they want to make sure that, that people know that this is not the right way to go. They have the best interest in other people, but many times people don't see it. They can come across stern and harsh. But I got to tell you, I pray that every doctor that ever works on me has a gift of perceiver. They want it to be exactly right. <laughs> they want right diagnosis. They, want, they don't want air. They don't want people to miss it. Positive. The positive reality is that we need, we need prophets in the body of Christ. We need people who will foretell what God is going to do and foretell what God is doing in our generation today. Boldly speaking the truth of God's word that Jesus is the way. Jesus is the hope. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. Someone said amen this morning.
One thing you must know about prophets is that most of the prophets in the Bible were stoned to death. <laughs> Very few people want to hear the truth. So there's a perceiver gift in the body of Christ. And then there's the server gift in the body of Christ. The server is one who loves to serve others. A doer meets needs, frees others to serve. In the Bible, there was a woman by the name of Martha. Martha was a servant. Man, she, she, Jesus was coming to her house, and she was cleaning the house and breaking out the best food that she could, she could gather together. She was making sure all the needs of, the, of his disciples were taken care of. She was making sure feet were being washed and food was placed on the table. She had a passion to serve. Servants are, are some of my very favorite people in all the world. Every local church, every business, every organization should celebrate their servers. This morning, we have an awesome worship experience because we have people that are sitting in a little glass booth behind there that are pushing buttons that you can't see. We have men and, and individuals that are working the cameras and the lights and the sounds. We had men here at 6 o'clock this morning that were, that were cleaning floors and opening doors and making sure the air conditionings were turned on. We had servers here today making sure that the children had all the stuff that they needed in their room over here and their toys were cleaned. We had people serving all week long all week long, giving their life. They're not up here with a microphone. They're not, they're not up here. You know, many times they, they don't want to be seen by people. They'll spend their own money to do things. They, they just want to, they want to help. They want to make things better. They, they want to serve other people. They get a great sense of fulfillment out of it. They get this great sense that, wow, I'm able to make a difference through my serving. I love servers. As a matter of fact, I love them so much, I want to give you a personal hand clap myself. Can I give all the servers a great big hand? I am so thankful for servers, those who are driven. The servers got to be careful because many times servers see other people that don't have the same desire to serve as they do, and they get frustrated. I don't understand why they've been doing this. I don't Why? What's the matter with them? Can't they see? No, they can't see. That's why you have the gift of service. You see it. You see the need. And the need drives you to make a difference in your world. And then Paul talks about the gift of teaching. There are teachers, those who love to research, communicate truth, clarify truth, validate truth. They're the mind of the body of Christ. You just draw a great big mind up here. They're the brain. And we need brains. Come on. Paul said, don't be ignorant of spiritual gifts. Don't be ignorant of how the Holy Spirit works in your life. We need teachers. They, they bring a rule. They, they bring straightness. They bring correction. They, they help to make sure that we're on the right path doctrinally. They, they help to make sure that what we're saying publicly is what the scriptures teach privately. They're, they're, they make sure that things are in right alignment. They're, they're correct. And we need teachers. We need people that are gathering information and searching and seeking to know more in every sphere and every of life. Teachers are the ones that, that pass knowledge on to the next generation. This teaching gift gives clear explanation of how we are to take steps, what happens in this process. Many times, teachers, though, can become very dry with knowledge. If you've ever tried to watch a, a, a professor or a teacher on an area of expertise that you know nothing about, you're like, are you kidding me? Somebody actually knows that? <laughs> Somebody actually spent their whole life studying that? 20... <laughs> I heard about this guy this weekend... He was really fascinated by eunuchs in the Bible. I, I've never done a study on eunuchs in the Bible. This guy spent 20 hours studying about eunuchs, and he wanted everybody else to know what the Bible says about eunuchs. Now, that's good. 
It's not something I'm passionate about, but he was passionate about it. He had this gift of teaching inside of him. In the Bible, there was a man by the name of Apollos. Apollos was a teacher. The Bible said that he knew the scriptures so well that he would go into a local synagogue and he would debate with the rabbis, with the teachers, the teachers of his generation, expounding on them from the Old Testament that this is the Jesus that they prophesied. He's come. He's died on the cross. He's rose from the dead. His teaching ability, his skill to communicate with accuracy from the Bible was so powerful. The Bible says that many, many, many rabbis and many Jews came to the faith. And then there's the encourager. I identify with this individual. This individual, he's the cheerleader. He's the motivator. He's the encourager to the body of Christ. God is for you. You can do it. I believe in you. There's a really famous preacher in America, and this gift is so big in him, he gets criticized because he never sees anything bad. He always sees the good. He's got a great big smile on his face. God is for you. You are the head and not the tail. You will rise above and you will not live beneath. He's always encouraging and motivating. He's believing. He's championing the cause of you. And the fact is, we need encouragers. I get so discouraged at times. I beat myself up. I said something wrong. I didn't do it right. And I can find myself living just under the sense of condemnation and guilt. But the encourager comes alongside and says, no, you can do it. Come on, let's go. Let's pick ourselves back up. Don't quit. Don't stop. We all need encouragers. Encouragers, they stimulate our faith. They, they tend to be people-oriented. They have lots of friends and lots of relationships. But as an encourager, I can tell you many times our, our success or our sense of fulfillment is dependent upon how we perceive or, or think other people feel that we do. We can become a needed to approval. We can become addicted to approval, that need from approval of other people. So every strength, every gift that God gives, there's also potential weakness in it. And then there's the giver, the one who loves to give, the one who lives to give, the one who goes to work just so that they can give more, the, one who, the ones who sacrifice, manage their budget so they can give more away because they recognize that their gifts, their financial gifts, really have an impact in other, other people's lives. They're the people that will come into our church and ask questions about the finances and how they're spent and what we do with our money. They're, they're concerned about the return on investment. They know the marketplace. They, they know where to put their money and how to spend their money. They're, they're very diligent. There's a whole group of them in our church that have gone through Financial Peace University because they believe that every person wants to be, God wants every person to be financially at peace. And we believe that, amen? We need the givers. The givers make a difference. The givers know that their giving enables the gift to keep on giving. They see the need, and they want to fill that need, but they want to make sure that that need that they're investing in is producing the best result. We need givers. The body of Christ needs givers. You need givers. You need people who have opened up their hands. You're sitting in seats that someone else bought. You're experiencing many of you that are just new to this church. You're enjoying the comfort of the air condition because there was someone else who gave. And givers in the kingdom of God, they, they live to give. A while back, a guy that had been unemployed in our church came up to me. He said, Pastor, I can't wait to go to church this week. I said, why is that? He said, because I get to finally tithe. He said, I got a job last week. And he said, I finally get to give my tithe. And some of you are like saying, no way, I can't believe that. That was the first thing he said. First, I can't wait to come to church so that I can give my tithe. Gift of giving. 
A gift of giving. Gift of giving, like any gift, can become polluted where people, they want to control other people with their gift. Then there's the gift of leadership. The administrator, one who loves to organize, to lead. He's a facilitator. They plan ahead. They complete tasks. He or she knows how to get the job done. They're the headlights in the body of Christ. They're the visionaries. They see the future. They have an ability to get a hold of the big picture and then mobilize people and get other people around them. They're always taking notes. They're delegating tasks and assignments. Someone spills a cup of coffee out in the lobby and their first thought isn't to go pick up a mop or a rag to wipe it up. Their first thought is how they can empower someone else to go and pick up the, pick up, get a mop or pick up a rag to get it done. They're a leader. Big vision. Detail. Actually, someone doing the work that's not for me. I must delegate, I must empower someone else to grow in their spiritual gift. The heart of a leader. Willing to let others take credit. Doesn't care who gets the credit. They want to get the job done. They want to get her done. Get her done. That leader. Many times, though, they, they don't accept criticism well. They can find themselves overbearing, overconfident in their abilities and tasks. But we need visionaries. We say, I see a need. In the city, in the community of Sanford or Seminole County, there's a need. There's, there's young people that need to improve their educational skills, and I'm going to start a ministry. We need leaders who have a heart. This church was started because there was a group of people that believed that there was a need. There was a need that needed to be met, and that people in this community needed to know God's love and to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. There was a vision. There was a plan. God used leaders. And ultimately, finally, Paul lists the gift of mercy. One who loves to encourage others. One who loves other people to live a, a victorious life. Mercy people are great leaders. I mean, great listeners. They're not great leaders. Don't put a mercy person in charge of leading. All they'll do is clean up everybody else's mess. But they listen. They listen to other people. I was with someone recently, and they were listening to me talk, and I realized they were really listening to me. <laughs> I mean, they were really genuinely, li they weren't just, they were really like, kind of had their head turned and really listening. And I recognized that that person's gift was in operation. They were really concerned. They really cared. They're concerned about other people reconciling. They're far more concerned about other people being healed and made whole than getting it absolutely right. The person with mercy, everything around them could be in a complete mess. And they'll be focused on one person because they want to see that person get whole. The Greek word for, uh, for mercy has the idea of, of weeping. You're easily touched by other people's needs. You watch a commercial on television and you begin to tear up. <laughs> There's a need. Oh, you're such a heart of compassion. Your ability to feel the atmosphere, good or bad. You want people to be happy. You want it to be right. Mercy people can become discouraged, depressed, because the needs are so great. This is how it works. This is how it works. Let's say there's somebody in the hospital, a little girl in the hospital, or there's a person in the hospital. And this is how each of the gifts work out in people's lives. First of all, the perceiver will walk in and he'll say, what is God trying to say through you this illness? Is there a sin that you need to confess? Is there something you need to change? 
The server will come in and say, hey, you know what? Hey, I got a little gift for you. Uh, I went to your house and I, I got the mail out of the mailbox. I, I fed your dog and man, I watered your plant. Is there anything else I can do? The teacher comes in. Their phone is full of statistics about your disease. I mean, you don't want to know that right at that moment. They become the expert. They're the teacher. They're studying. They're researching. You do this and this and got a solution for you. The giver comes in and says, hey, man, can I help you with your bills? I mean, is there anything you need? Family needs food. Anything we can do? You got insurance to cover this? You okay, man? You okay? The leader comes in and says, hey, don't worry about a thing. I got everything taken care of. I've given Bob this job, and I've given Sue this job, and, and I give Peter this job. You're, you're going to be okay. It's all delegated. Your work's all covered. The encourager comes in and says, how? How can I help you take what you're learning right now to help other people? You're going to make it. You're going to get through this. And then the mercy person comes in just says, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that you're going through this. A little over 18 years ago, City Church was started. The dream that God had placed in my heart became a reality. There were three couples. There were three couples that moved from Seattle to Central Florida. None of us knew a person here. We had all grown up on the West Coast. But God spoke to our hearts. It was fascinating to see how God brought the, that original team together. We had no idea that this would take place. We knew that there was a desire to see God's love come to people. We knew that we wanted to see people reconciled and brought into right relationship. I knew, we knew as a team that we wanted to see people fulfill their purpose. One of the couples actually that was instrumental in us, very instrumental in us, not just starting a church but coming to Central Florida, was this couple right here. Their names are Hank and Joyce Shower. Our sister Joyce, two and a half years ago, was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. In my lifetime, I've done a lot of funerals, many funerals. I've been a lot of people that have been in the final stages of life. I've met very few who finished this strong. I mean, she finished in faith. When we sent her back to Seattle a little less than a year ago to be with her family in her final days, she just looked at me right in the eyes. She said, Pastor, whether I live or whether I die, I win. I get to be with Jesus. She got her greatest desire in 12, 15, Friday afternoon, she went home to be with the Lord. Whew, I, I, still, I still feel that sense of loss. There's a, there's a real reality to death. It's the final enemy that we will batter, battle. But I know that she's okay. My wife and I, over the last couple of days since Friday, have been talking about their influence on in our life. And I recognize that she was uniquely hardwired by God to help accomplish the purpose for which God had created not only her, but me, but also for this congregation. If you've come to this church over the last year, two years, five years, however long, and your life has been impacted, your life has been changed, you, your marriage has been better, some of you have found faith here, been water baptized here, raised your children, if your life has been empowered or impacted in any way for the better, you want to stand and give this woman thanks. Because she had a gift of leadership like no one's business. She was able to see a future. She had the primary gift of leadership, and she had a secondary gift of encouragement. This is how the story goes. I'm praying with my wife on a Saturday night. I I'm feeling a stirring, a strong stirring that God wants us to start a church. I'm just sensing, God, 
God, and this is the prayer that I prayed. I said, God, if you want us to go to Florida and start a church, we'll go. My wife opened her eyes and like, what are you doing? <laughs> no, that's our prayer. That was our prayer. I'd met Joyce one other time. The next day at church was on Sunday. The next day between the second and third service at the church that we were serving at, she came to me. She said, Pastor Eugene, you said, have you ever, th- have you ever thought about starting a church? <laughs> yeah, that leadership gift just came out of her. Have you ever thought about starting a church? Why don't you go to Florida and start a church and we'll go with you? I'm like, what? No, 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 no. She so believed in the vision of this house. She so believed. As a matter of fact, that leadership gift was so strong, we didn't have any resources to reach the community. So my experience had been in bus ministry. I said, well, let's start bus. Let's start picking up kids and bringing in children on the buses. And man, she got a hold of that. Her mission, her mission became the kids of this generation. Man, I'm telling you, she filled up buses. She motivated. Her husband's gift was server, teacher, and they got together. And, man, we built this thing. And they went out every week with us knocking on doors. And she came back a couple of years ago to help us to refire up our missions. And I see what God is doing now through Mike and Joe and, and the Rivera family as they're building the missions. This trip, this coming year, we have four mission trips. And, I mean, it's just amazing to see her capacity. She's led people, Joyce led people on trips to Africa so many times. and Just amazing to see how God has used her. What you don't know about her life is that it had been a mess. It had been a mess. But mercy came. The grace of God came into her life. We all need that today. And so I don't care what your past is. I don't care what you're experiencing or what you're walking through today. God, God wants you to take your next step. In God's kingdom, in God's, hear me today, in God's kingdom, every person in this room has a spiritual gift. Every person has been hardwired by God to make a significant difference in your life and world. Every person. Because God wants you to help others. Because when you help others, that's when you are most fulfilled in your life. When you're serving, you're giving. Christianity, we're not a spectator sport. There was a group of guys that came over to my house last night, and there was a, a little fight that was on. There were two guys fighting. There were millions of people watching. That's not Christianity. That's not the God that we serve. The God that we serve has called us to be participants, to be actively using the gift that he's given to us. The toolbox, maximizing your spiritual gift. You're here today, don't know Christ. Your first step is to cross the line. Your first step is to cross the line. From lack of faith, not believing, to faith, to believing. The Holy Spirit is working in you. You're not here by accident today. God had a purpose and a plan. God knew that you'd be here. God moved all of heaven and earth so you could hear this message today. And if you need to cross the line today, you need to take your next step, and that is to receive Christ as your Savior. Jesus has his arms wide open. He says, come unto me, all you that are heavy laden, all you that are burdened, carrying weights, trying to figure out life for yourself. Come to me, and I will give you rest. God wants to give you rest, peace in your soul. Peace with God, and then you can begin to make peace with other people. Uh, If you're here today and you're new to City Church, we, we make this process really simple. 
your next step is to go to growth track tonight at five o'clock we're in the growth track actually so much of the growth track is designed around what i was speaking on this morning it's about you discovering how god's created you so that you can make a difference in your world today so that you can like paul told the church at Corinth, so that you can help other people because god knows you'll never be fully satisfied you'll never be fully satisfied until you're living out god's plan for your life and so tonight you're new you're new here i want to encourage you to go to growth track it's going to be right over here we have a house over here we call it our discipleship house some of you you're stirred up and this gift is growing and 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 next sunday we're doing small group sunday and, and i want to encourage you get into that small group i mean my small group is starting next wednesday and i'm excited i'm already texting some guys hey we're going to be meeting over here at this mcdonald's at seven o'clock in the morning on wednesdays and man i'd love to have you we're going to study the bible together we're going to go through the book of james for 12 weeks and there's all kinds of groups here there's 50 groups and you got a brochure that looks like this and take this and flip through it and check it off and, and take that next step take that next step today today i want you to hear this i my primary gifting is exhort, exhortation to be an encourager and i'm also a perceiver i i see things i i see wrong I, but i want you to know today it's not about me not about me today it's what god wants to do in you god's using me at this moment to fulfill the purpose for which he created me and god wants you to fulfill the purpose for which he's created you today we all have a next step in god i want you to close your eyes you're here today say pastor i don't know the lord uh, i need him today in my life i need his help man i maybe you've known christ and you've said a prayer but Today, you know that your life isn't right with him. And he's calling you to come home. Come back to him. We're not going to embarrass you today. But I do want to pray for you. I do want to pray for you today. You're here today, and you know that you need to take a next step. You need to get into a small group. There's a Maybe you have already gone through growth track, and you're still contemplating, where do I serve, and how do I make a difference? And connect, a, connect with a ministry leader here. We have people walking around with signs say, how may I help? Connect with someone here, and they're going to help you get on the track to really start to live out the purpose for which God has created you. If you're here today and you know that you need to take whatever that is, whatever that next step is, you're here today, you know you need to take your next step in God. There's no one looking, but I want you, on the count of three, I just want you to raise your hand. I want you to identify yourself that, yes, I'm willing to take my next step to grow in God. If that's you today, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Come on, raise your hand right now. Okay, all across this room, awesome. I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. What you could do here this morning, there was inside of your small group brochures, there was a card that looked like this. If you would just put your name on it, put your name, whatever contact information, and just write the word yes. Write the word yes. There's a list of small groups you can check off if you're interested in doing that. But I want to pray specifically for you this week. I want to know this week that my gift of encouragement was touching you. And I'm going to pray specifically for you that God will help you to take your next step. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for every person in this room. Many have raised their hand. They're saying, yes, I'm taking my next step. For those of the, those are saying yes to you and the gift of grace and salvation, they're crossing the, life from, crossing the line from death to life to experience your power and grace. God, I pray that you will pour out your spirit in them. God, that you will empower them to serve you, to make a difference in their generation. God, for those who are being stirred to, to take that next step, to get connected with other believers, to, to begin to grow in their faith and their spirit.
God, for those who are new here and want to discover more about who we are, but more importantly, how you wired them so that they can continue to make a difference in their world with the ministry of City Church. God, I pray that you'll help them to do that today. God, I pray blessing over every family and over every home. Thank you for those that are here today. Let your grace be with us as we go. In Jesus' powerful and mighty name, and everyone said,